Today, we're looking at session four. I am a priest. Do you believe you're a priest? You don't? Okay. All right, we'll see what that entails. First, let me give you the setting of our study today, which includes some passages of scripture. <coughs> the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter rather, wrote the epistle of 1 Peter to Christians in Asia Minor. And we have a reference to that in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, which says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, resi who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. We know ancient Asia Minor as modern Turkey today. Believers in this region were following Jesus, uh, following Jesus' steps by enduring suffering. First Peter chapter 2 verse 21 tells us a little bit about that suffering. He says, for you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. So though their status was low in this world, Peter knew they were a royal priesthood with the great privilege and responsibility of devoting their lives to God and declaring his greatness. So that brings us now to question number one on page 101. If you have a direct line to a notable figure in our society, who would you choose? Notable figure could be, could include scientists, celebrities, business leaders, church leaders, whoever. If you had a direct line to a notable figure in society, who would you choose? Pastor Elliot. Hmm? Pastor Elliot. Pastor Elliot? Okay. Anybody else? I choose you. You choose me? Okay. <laughs> you got a direct line. You can have his phone number. Yeah, you got a direct line. Uh, you, you always call it me. <laughs> I always call it Jennifer. And I always answer the phone, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Well, it depends on the circumstances. Yes. Okay, it depends on the circumstances. All right. So who would it be? If you had a direct line to a notable figure, who would that notable figure be? Well, one time I had to call, I called Prime Minister's wife. Don't deal with the women. Deal with the women. I called the Prime Minister's wife. Mm -hmm. I then called it, I called it then opposition, the leader of the opposition wife. And I got to be forced to. Okay. Oh, you got through? Yeah. Okay, is that? Um, if she hadn't died, she's with the Lord. Elizabeth Elliot, because I have high esteem for her grasp of scriptures and use of it, and her life experience um, from which she has gained much wisdom. Mm. 
So okay. I can be found in her books, but I can't call her. <laughs> okay. And for me, it was Mother Sarai. All right. Mother Sarai. Mother Sarai. Anybody else? Sarai client a notable figure. I think Mother Teresa would be my favorite. Mother Teresa, okay. All right. Mother Teresa. Oh. you. Okay. Interesting. All right, let's look at uh, Bible Meets Light on page 102. Someone can read that. Uh, choose to read, please. You can't just enter the White House today. You have to have an appointment. Your name has to be cleared by security. <clears throat> While Abraham Lincoln was in office, however, people simply went into the White House each day, hoping for an audience with the president. They just waited in line and everybody else and hoped. This routine allowed for one exception. Lincoln's youngest son, Thomas Dad, was famous for his undisciplined run of the house, even interrupting cabinet meetings on occasion. Lincoln adored his son, so Ted always had direct access to his father. Most of us will never have direct access president of the United States, but as followers of Christ, we have direct access to God of the universe. At one time in Greco history, only certain people had special access to God. They were called priests. Even today, when we hear the word priest, a specific image of what a priest looks like comes to mind. But as we'll see in 1 Peter 2, Peter called all believers priests. Let's explore what exactly that means. Okay. And what is the point of our study today? The servants of Christ are his representatives. Okay, we are his representatives as servants of Christ. Dear Holy Spirit, we pray, Lord, that you would grant us uh, understanding as we go into your study, uh, study of your word today, uh, that we may have a clear understanding of our role as priests uh, during this session. And we pray, O oh Lord, that each of us will be inspired by the study of your word on this subject today. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, let's look at the first passage. First Peter chapter 2. Verses 4 to 5. Someone want to read that? Please? As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, as spiritual hearts, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, let's look at that first question before we get to the paragraphs on that verse. How should we understand the metaphors described in these verses? How should we understand the metaphors? What are the metaphors we use here? Living stones. Living stones. Spiritual house. Okay, how are we to understand these metaphors as they're described? Well, each of us will talk to the 
living stones, royal priesthood. Okay. Anyone else? We offer ourselves as living sacrifices. We are it says in Romans 12, 1, we're supposed to you know, present our bodies as a living sacrifice. The priest brought animals, but we, we present our bodies. Our bodies are living sacrifices mm-hmm. for God. Okay, presenting our bodies as living sacrifice. Is a sacrifice uh, originally a living thing? Usually they kill it. They kill it, right? So what does that tell us if we are offering ourselves as a living sacrifice? We are to die, exactly, Uh, to self in particular, so that we may be alive in Christ, as the scripture tells us. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs that accompany that verse. Uh, Someone want to read? Okay, as followers of God and members of his family, our lives are built on the foundation of who Jesus is. We build our lives on the one Peter described as a living stone, rejected by people but chosen and honored by God. Jesus is no insignificant pebble. He is the foundational stone upon which everything else is built. We are to build on him as our one solid foundation. Uh, we see this in Matthew 7, 24 to 27, and Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Okay, let's look at those verses. Matthew okay. 24 to 27 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts in them, Hebrews 4.16 
Okay, Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay, continue. Access is not limited to a select few. Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice to make this possible. But as priests, we still offer sacrifices. Ours, however, are spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We give ourselves fully to him. Secondly, priests have the privilege of representing Christ and serving others. Just as the Old Testament priests represented God to the people of Israel, our words and actions represent Christ to the world. We represent him as members of his family and as priests within his kingdom. The fruit of our faith goes far beyond just our words. Faith calls us to action, and a life of faith being lived out cultivates fruit that pleases God. Okay, very good. We notice that word, uh, cornerstone, living stone. So it's a metaphor that's in the verse 4, a metaphor that's applied to Jesus Christ based on his resurrection. He is living. An Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah as a stone. Figuratively speaking, Jesus is a living stone. He is living because he is risen from the dead. Many religions in our world today have a leader, but he's, he's dead and buried in a tomb somewhere, or a grave somewhere. But Jesus Christ is a living stone because he's risen from the dead. And then he's a stone because, in the sense of the foundation for the believers, uh, the foundation for the believers' salvation, and for the spiritual household in which his people serve as priests. A couple of verses uh, support that. Uh, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. So we know why people are disturbed today, because they're not believing in the living stone. And then the next verse is a New Testament verse, that's an Old Testament verse, a New Testament verse is 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 6, which is a quote from the Old Testament. For this is contained in scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. So we have another verse that tells us of our safety, our security, our assurance as a result of having a relationship in Jesus Christ. In Isaiah it says, those who believe in the stone will not be disturbed, regardless of all the chaos and the tumult that is going on in our world today. We are not disturbed because we have a tested stone, the verse says. It is a tested stone, it is a costly stone, and it's a foundation. And then the second verse in, in 1 Peter uh, tells us that those who believe in the stone will not be disappointed. 
uh, regardless of what life throws at us, uh, life does throw a lot of things. Okay, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you trust Him, there's nothing in this world that will disappoint us. Because our hope is not in things. Our hope is in a person. That is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Yes. May I read Psalm 18, verse 2? Go ahead. It's saying exactly what we're saying. Mm -hmm. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. He is personal to each one of us. He is that for each of us. That's right. And that's how come we can be behave like no one else in this world can when chaos breaks out and everybody's running around like a chicken with his head chopped off. The believer can be assured and be calm, confident, because he knows where his hope is. Okay, we've seen what Peter meant when he described Jesus' followers as living stones. As we move on to verses 6 to 8, we'll see what he meant when he described Jesus as the cornerstone. So let's look at that verse, those verses. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Somebody go ahead and read, please. For it stands in Scripture. Say, I lay a stone inside, a chosen and honored cornerstone. And one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe. But for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling over, and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobeyed the word. They were disdained for this. <coughs> Okay, continue reading. Okay. In the beginning, in the day of sanctification, prophet Isaiah quoted this declaration from the Lord God. I have laid a stone as I am, a twisted stone, a precious cornerstone, and a sure foundation. The one who believes will be. Almost 800 years later, Peter wrote with an elevated level of clarity because he knew Isaiah was pointing to Jesus. Jesus is God's chosen and honored cornerstone. In construction today, we feed the cornerstone as a ceremonial, in the ceremonial sense, placing it in the prominent corner of the building, typically with the inscription. In biblical times, the cornerstone played a more critical role in construction. The right stone had to be placed in the right spot in the right way because it sets the standard for placing all other stones and building 
page. He used to go, he worked at a factory and there was a bar 
sold uh, hot dogs and hamburgers and beer. And he used to go in there before he was sick, and he would get a glass of beer, and he'd buy some hot dogs and take them home to his family, kids, and that was four hours before. And he went in one night to get hot dogs for the kids, for my siblings, and that man was in that bar at that time and mm. saw him go in. Now, he didn't, he didn't see what he, what he, you know, did. What he yeah. did when he went in, mm. but then the next day when my dad went to talk to him, he said he wouldn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a stumbling block for that. And he told me, he says, don't ever, you know, do something that, you know, that was not a bad thing that he was doing, but the place where he was. It right. could be a stumbling block right. to other Christians or lost people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. why they reject it, because they look at, you know, this one over here. Well, he says he's a Christian, but he's not acting like it. That's right. You know, right. So we can be a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's something to think about. Stumbling blocks to many people in the way we respond to various situations and circumstances in our lives. You perhaps get involved in a minor traffic accident, and how you respond to the person in that accident could very well determine how someone who witnessed the whole event would respond to Jesus Christ. Uh, especially if they find out that you're a believer, or if they know that you're a believer, and your response in this accident is negative and it, it, it characterizes a person, a worldly person, all right? You become a stumbling block uh, to that individual. And many times, believers, we don't think about uh, us becoming stumbling blocks uh, to others, but our actions can determine whether a person comes to Christ or not. And we will not even know about it until eternity, when uh, the books will be open and all is revealed, and you will see of uh, the opportunities that uh, individuals had and what prevented them from taking uh, taking uh, that opportunity. Okay, uh, let's look at the last passage we have. First uh, Peter chapter two ninety eleven. Okay, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you are once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Last question. Or question of what words are, this question number four, what words or phrase from these verses do you resonate with most and why? What words or phrases? Look at the verse again. A chosen race and the royal priesthood. A chosen race and the royal priesthood. Why? Do those voices resonate with you? Well, I know where it was before. Okay. I know where I'm now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? What voices resonate with you? And why? It gives you the assurance that 
in a drive from coast to coast that you have a, a ground in which you are grounded in His love and His forgiveness and His assurance that God is the sun turns over, it means nothing to you because He rules it. So, you know, if you are with Him, then all worries and all this that goes on doesn't mean anything because you focus on Him and you are blind with Him. Okay. Chosen race. Royal priesthood. Okay. The terminology, the rich terminology and images of the Old Testament continue to guide Peter as he described our priestly position and responsibilities. He especially drew from Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, and Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, and Isaiah chapter 43, verses 20 and 21. Through Christ we are a chosen race. Don't you feel special when you're chosen? Yes. I mean, you know, anybody else could have been chosen, but you were chosen. That makes you feel special, right? You know, we see people being chosen all the time for all kinds of things. And we know how it feels to be chosen, so we know how that person feels when they are chosen. God chose Abraham and his descendants. He has chosen us as well. Think about that. The great God of the universe chosen nobody like me. An insignificant person like me. He chose you. He wasn't forced to. You know, when I was in school and we had sports, because I wasn't good at a particular sport and the captain was picking members for the team, I'd be the last one to get picked. And you know why I got picked? Because there was nobody else. <laughs> right? He was forced to pick me because there was nobody else. But God wasn't forced to choose us. It was his choice. Let me see a couple of verses here. First Peter chapter 1 verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen. And then Ephesians chapter 1 verses uh, 3 and 4. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him, when? Before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless in him. And so we are royal priesthood, the scripture verse says. We are a royal priesthood because we serve the king of an eternal kingdom. Think about that for a minute. You know, there are kings whose, whose kingdoms are limited. They only last for a certain period of time. Our, the kingdom that our king rules over is an eternal kingdom. What does that mean for us? We're going to be kings, we're going to be priests forever. There's no end to it. When God was about to give the Ten Commandments, he signals his intent for all his people to be priests before him. The verse says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's uh, Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Okay? He says, for all the earth is mine. Uh, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all that is mine, and you shall be 
to me a kingdom of priests. And that's what we are, kingdom of priests. And of course, that message was originally given to Israel. Of course, we know Israel didn't keep the covenant. But God was determined to fulfill his purpose of having a people who would serve him as priests. Under the new covenant, believers, that's us today, are a holy nation, a people for his own possession. God has given us his spirit so we can fulfill his will in serving him as priests. And that's why we've got the Holy Spirit. He is the one who guides us and helps us to perform as the priest of God. God's will is that we may proclaim, what the voice says? Proclaim his excellencies of which he is worthy. Some translations have the word praises, that we may proclaim his praises. God's excellencies and worthiness of praise are seen in that he called us out of darkness. And only God could do that. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has brought us as Christians out of darkness into the light of the knowledge of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Okay, so we have seen his excellencies and we can declare his praises. We are called and commissioned as priests to proclaim our great God, the God of the world. We are his witnesses. We are also called to proclaim him to one another as worshipers. So we are chosen. It's significant, isn't it? Yes. Okay, the, the paragraphs of that verse. Where is it? Not everyone rejects Jesus. We're referring to those who trust Jesus and accept him as the cornerstone of their lives. Peter called them a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Each of these phrases is a rich is rich in telling us what it means to be a follower of Christ. And each points to the fact that our lives ought to look drastically different from the rest of the world. Allow me to use a sports metaphor and say that as believers, we put on New Jersey and become a part of God's, put on a New Jersey and, put, and become a part of God's team. In October 2010, over a billion people watched the miraculous rescue of 33 Chilean miners who had been trapped for more than trapped more than 2,000 feet underground for over two months. Jose Henriquez was one of the miners. The media gave Henriquez nicknames like the pastor and spiritual guide. The names resulted from the testimonies of the rescued miners. They reported that twice every day, while they were stuck in the mine, Enriquez would pray over them and lead them in devotions, using passages he had learned from God's word. A local pastor remarked that knowledge of God helped him because he did not have it to read. When asked about it, Enriquez said, I believe that the key to all this was in the word of God, in having believed God. That's why I say to the whole world that the Lord wants them to believe in him, to believe in his word. As a result of Jose's leadership, several miners gave their lives to Christ, and millions heard the gospel on live network television 
through listening to his testimony. After being rescued, Jose Enriquez was the first to return to work in the mines. Returning was one way he thanked God for rescuing him. Mines are dark places, especially when there seems like no hope of escape. As Christians in today's culture, we also were once in darkness, but we were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has made us his priests, a royal priesthood. We are his representatives. Therefore, we can do nothing less than offer thanksgiving in our hearts and praise on our lips because of all that he has done. Amen? So we see how a tragedy and their tragedy turned out for the better. Many people get to know God to know Christ. And even those who are watching the live newscast got to hear the gospel. I guess they didn't figure that in, eh? Okay. How do we live this out? Time is gone. Let's look at page 108. How can we serve Christ this week as his priest and representative? Consider the following suggestions. Express thanks. Thank God for saving you and including you in his royal priesthood. Thank him for empowering you and equipping you to live on mission and in service to him. Okay, that's one thing we can do. The other thing we can do is pray for others. Interceding for others before God was a part of the priest's duties. Contact family and friends and ask how you can specifically pray for them. Make a prayer list and regularly intercede for others in prayer. Proclaim Christ. As a priest, you represent Christ to others. Identify one way or one way you or your group may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we got three things that we can do as a result of responding to our lesson today. Express thanks, pray for others, and proclaim Christ. You can do all three. You can do one. You can do two. It's up to you. Ask the Lord what he would have you to do. Following Christ means having a direct line to the Almighty. It also means representing him through our actions and attitudes. Let me read that again. It also means representing him through our actions and attitudes. Are you committed to both of these opportunities? And that's a question that each of us will have to answer as before the Lord. God knows, right? Okay, that brings us to the end of our lesson.